Amen. Good to be with you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, two verses of scripture for you this morning. Uh, and Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Let us pray. Father, I come to you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for Living Faith Church. Thank you for people who have a call on their life, Lord, to go out and make a difference in the world around us. Uh, Lord, I pray for, for wisdom and opportunity and, and the right people, Lord. Fertile ground will show up when they, when they stand there on those street corners and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they sign and share a message of hope with someone who needs hope. Uh, continue to bless that ministry and bless that outreach and bless that time. I ask you also to bless this time right now in your word. Uh, may we be encouraged. May we be edified. May we be built up. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Title of the message is still, I still believe. I still believe. Last week, we focused on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. We talked about how they were faced with the fiery furnace. They made a decision to not take a knee. All right, They were given an opportunity to take a knee, but they made a decision. They made a choice to not bow. And when they chose not to bow, death was imminent. Right? And they looked at the king and says, we're not even careful. There's no need to even talk about this king. Our mind is made up. And our God is able to deliver us, they said. He will deliver us. And then he went on the very next verse and says, but if he doesn't, let it be known. Our decision has still been made. They were basically saying, we still believe. Regardless of the outcome, regardless of what happens, I still believe. And man, that's an that's a, that's a earth-shattering faith. When you come to a point in your life where you, I mean, we think that. Well, why, why couldn't God just deliver them? Why didn't God, we talked about it all last week, but why wouldn't God just show up and knock it all out? I don't know. I don't know why, but I know what they faced. I don't know because of what they faced. They were thrown in the fiery furnace. Most of us would say that was a bad day, right? That would qualify as a bad day. The Bible says it was heated up seven times hotter. I don't know, I don't know if they broke the knob. You know, you see on cartoons, they break the knob and they're standing there looking at you. Uh, I don't know what that meant, but the Bible says it was so hot that the men who took the, throw them in died immediately. They immediately died. It was so intense. Uh, and, of course, you know the rest of the story. The king shows up. He sees them. goes, starts asking questions. Why are you? Oh, then we threw three, and now there's four. You know, and God showed up in their mess that they did not create. Did you hear what I just said? They were in a mess they did not create, that they were still there. Not every circumstance we face, we create. Sometimes we are just there, right? Sometimes we're just right in the middle of whatever it is, right? Sometimes we're just there. We didn't create. Uh, but we, learned, we talked last week that God is still in control, that God is greater, and that God is faithful. That was the three points of last week. And I have three more points. I could have done it all last week. We'd still be here from last Sunday. Um, but I had six points initially. I was like, well... Mark's gone for two weeks. That's a two-parter. Uh, so I'll, I'll split it up into in three equal parts two times is what we'll do. Uh, but So we learned that, that I, I thought one of the points we drove home last week is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't just mature. They were mature where they were. See, so many times in our lives, we are mature Christians, but we get in the right setting and the right situation, and we're no longer mature. Why? Because it's impacting us, right? If it's impacting Mikey, I can stand up here and say, man, I'm got this Mikey right I can cheer Mikey on I could show my support but you know what when it's impacting me it's a different story right when it's when it's me being impacted that's a whole different outlook 
And, and that's what we're, they were mature where they were too. They could have easily taken a knee. They could have easily taken a knee and said, I didn't mean it or God knows my heart or I asked for forgiveness. But no, they made a choice. They drew a line in the sand and said, this is where we stand. And because of that, God showed up on their life. He was faithful. He was still in control. And he was greater. Now here in Mark chapter 9, an uh, interesting story is happening here in the gospel of Mark. Uh, so quick backstory. I love giving backstories. I don't want to read the whole chapter to you. We'd be here all afternoon. Uh, but uh, what's happening in Mark chapter 9 is this is the very first few verses was the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, Peter, James, and John went up onto the mountain with Jesus. And, you know, Elijah and Moses show up, right? And they're glowing and everybody, Jesus is glowing. Everybody's glowing. Peter and James and John aren't, but everybody else is glowing. And they thought, this is really cool. I mean, if they'd have had phones, they'd be going, Right? They'd have tried to take a selfie of that glowing moment. And here they find them up on this mountain. Peter was so excited. He said, let's just stay here. Let's just build tents and stay. I mean, I don't blame him, do you? Jesus is illuminated. Moses and Elijah come down from the clouds. It'd be a pretty cool moment in time. I mean, imagine we was on old Baldy right now. And Moses and Elijah showed up and Jesus is there. and Everybody's floating and they're all glowing. I want to stay too. I'd be texting somebody, hey man, bring a tent. Those hot dogs, bring them up here. We're not eating at ball field night. We're eating on old baldy, right? And, and I, I would have taken that moment in time for what it was. And, and, and of course, you know, the, 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 the word, the voice of the Lord spoke, said, this is my son, hear him. Uh, I love the English Standard Version. It says, listen to him. Listen to him. See, right now, a lot of you are hearing me, but not everybody's listening, right? I love that English Standard Version. It did, King James says, hear him. The English Standard Version says, listen to him. There's a difference. It's a difference between hearing something and listening to something. And I love that, that God was saying, listen to my son. And, 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 of course, they come off the mountain, which was really cool. I mean, I'm sure Peter, James, and John were kicking rocks, thinking, man, it's all downhill from here. Literally, it was. Um, they wanted to stay in that high and that moment. And that Don't we all want to stay there? We all want to stay up here. Man, that feels good. Mountains are cool. The very top of the mountaintop is good, right? You get up that high and all that's going on and some miracles are happening all around. That's a good space. But man, when you get down the back down the bottom, that's still real life. And that's what happened here in Mark chapter 9. There was this man who brought his son to the disciples while Jesus, Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain glowing and Peter, and James, and John wanting to build tents and hang out. There's this guy who brings his son to the disciples. The disciples couldn't do nothing with him. Couldn't help him. The Bible actually says there was, they, were, they were arguing amongst themselves. Think about it. They were arguing. Where was Jesus? Jesus was on the mountain. Jesus wasn't with them. What happens when Jesus isn't with us? We start arguing amongst ourselves, don't we? Starts bringing chaos. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, what's going on? And before, and the disciples start running up to Jesus. Ah, but he said, when, he, when I was going, and then. I mean, you know how people are, right? Is that how people are? Jesus shows up, could somebody tell me what's going on? And five people run up, I'll tell you what's going on. And before he could even get it all out, here come the father of the child. And said, I brought my son to be healed. And your disciples couldn't help him. (laughs) They're too busy arguing, right? Procedures and protocols and figuring all out. And Jesus said, if you believe, Anything's possible. And the father prays a prayer or makes a statement that just resounds with me to this day. 
I've read this verse many times. I've spoken at funerals using this verse because it has so many opportunities to, to speak to us. I believe, Jesus, help my unbelief. I believe you, but help the part of me that doesn't. You ever been there? There's a part of me that says, I believe you with everything I got, but there's another part of you that are fighting you inside. I need you to help that guy. Help my unbelief. Help the part of me that doesn't believe. That's what needs help. That's what needs help. Now we get to our text here, and this man brought him to Jesus. And, and I have the question, how do you find faith when all around you feels like it's unraveling? How do you find faith when everything is coming apart at the seams? Keeping your faith in the spiritual desert is not easy. Staying focused in the valley is not always a simple task. Buzzwords and slogans are nice. But they don't help me find faith when I feel like mine is faltering or failing. I love scripture. But when I'm battling, I don't need you to tell me all things work together for good. Right? When I'm right in the middle of the fight, I don't need you to quote that to me. I just need you to stay with me. I remember Catherine, I shared this at her, at her funeral service, and we would be in, in small groups, and somebody would say, well, just have faith. She said, I just want to smack them. <laughs> she said, I just want to smack them in the face. Right? And she's right. I, when you're going through the middle of something, you just don't need to say, have faith, brother. Just have faith. And, and I don't even think people are doing it wrong. I, they just don't know what to say. And let me say this. As a, as a human who's lived 50 years on this planet, if you don't know what to say, then maybe you shouldn't say anything. Right? Maybe you should just show up. Right? Not every situation requires words. Sometimes it's just your presence. You know, Jeff just lost his uncle a few weeks ago. Uh, he was really close, his family, and he texted Mark and I, and, and it's, it's uncomfortable going to hospice and... and when watching someone, you knew them here, and you, now they're here. And he, they was just, we were talking about how, don't know what to say. And I said, sometimes you don't say anything. Sometimes you just show up. You just show up. That was my advice. That was what I've learned in my short time on this planet. Or, and some of you think in long time. Some of you think in short time. Uh, but that's what I've learned. Sometimes you just don't talk. Sometimes you just show up. Um, but we also hear with God all things are possible. And that's not, there's not, that's not wrong. That's scriptural. All those sayings are, are true, but at times they're not what we need to hear. We just need someone to show up. We just need someone to care. The part of the story absolutely hit me hard. I hear the Father and I find myself sometimes saying His words. I believe. But help my unbelief. Help the part of me that doesn't want to believe or is afraid to believe or is fighting to believe. Be honest. I want, I want to start by saying that the father was honest. He was honest. He didn't try to play a game with Jesus. He didn't try to say the right religious words to Jesus. He didn't want to sound like he had more faith than he had. He was honest. He simply stated where he was at that moment. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there is nothing wrong with being honest with God. There is absolutely, positively, nothing wrong with being honest with God and say, God, this is where I'm at. Don't, I, I'm not here to debate how I got here. I'm not here to debate what, what the next step is. I'm just telling you, this is where I'm at, God. 
I'm being honest with you. And that's what this father did. This father said, I believe, but help my unbelief. How do I know I believe that he believed in Jesus? Because he brought him to him, didn't he? He tried to find Jesus. He brought him to his disciples. He had heard the stories. He had, he had heard the, the, as it was traveling through the towns and miracle after miracle after miracle. He had heard all about it. So he came to the one he was hearing about. But that proved to me he believed in Jesus. But there was still a part of him that was wrestling with what always was. Help my unbelief, he said. Help my unbelief. Sometimes all I have is maybe. I'll be the first to tell you. Sometimes the best I can offer Jesus is the truth that I want to believe. I know I should believe. But right now I feel like my world is in a free fall and I can't fix it. Help my unbelief. Help the part of me that's wrestling with the belief. Romans chapter 5 tells us this. Great scripture. I want to read just a, all of it. I want to read what it says. Um, a couple of verses. And endurance produces character. Actually, it says in verse 4, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ. I still believe that. I still believe He's in control. I still believe He's faithful. We may not like all we go through. How many of you like everything you go through in life? I don't. I mean, I, won't lie. I was in Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, and I mean, the hospital's doing a really good job. I was really frustrated that night. It was a long day at work, and they gave me a sticker. They said, well, you want a coupon for your parking ticket? So they do offer families opportunity to save some money. If you're there all day, it's 20 bucks, right? And this coupon will knock it down to five. And this day, I was only there about 90 minutes. I'd worked till about seven. I got there. I took them to dinner. I got there late, and I went in to see cash for about an hour, and then I left. Uh, went to the hotel. So I, I had my little ticket, right? So you scan your ticket to get out, and it said $4. That's what it said, $4, zero, $4. I scanned my coupon, it went to 6 And then it dropped it to 5 I'm like, can I go back to the 4 Right? And I, I'm at, and I went back the next day, said, would you like a coupon? I said, no, thank you. <laughs> It cost me more. Your coupon cost me more. I said, I actually told him a story. I told him a story. I said, well, I scanned it last night and it said $4. I scanned your coupon and went to 6 and dropped a dollar off and gave it to me for 5 I said, it cost me more than what it was supposed to. She said, well, that's all. you were only here for about 90 minutes, weren't you? I said, yeah. She said, well, it's somebody here for all day. The only benefit is all day, right? That's the only benefit is when you go through all day. Um, but we go through it, we face that kind of stuff and and But you know what? It, I laughed it off, right? I mean, I was like, what was that? I was like, can I go back, do over, rewind? Um, but man, endurance and hope, and, when, and it, it changes your character. And that's what Jesus is doing in us. He's giving us, when we come to him and we're honest with him, he's producing character, he's giving us endurance, and he's bringing hope in our life that he's still in control. As Pentecostals, we historically gave off this vibe that you're not supposed to doubt. That you're not supposed to be afraid. But the harsh reality is we all do. Our lives may not share it. Our appearance may not allow you to see it. But inside, not far behind the shirt you're wearing, is someone who's just like that father. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help what's not believing. So three more things on the I still believe. Number one, 
I still believe he's my healer. He's still the healer today. Here's what it says in James. James chapter 5. Probably been faster to have seal pulled up for me. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed his sins, he'll be forgiven. I still believe God is my healer. I do. I really do. I sincerely believe that. Uh, I, I may not always get my prayers answered. I've found out in my own life. But that doesn't change my viewpoint. Doesn't change how I see things. Just like the three Hebrew children stood at the front of the fiery furnace. Our God is able to. He will. But if he doesn't. We're not changing who we are. The very fabric, the very core of who I am is not going to change. I know this is a, 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 I wrestled, I didn't wrestle, part of me wanted not to bring this up. But I said, Lord, this is what you gave me. I'm, I'm, giving, you, I'm giving them this. The enemy didn't want me to share this with you because this question brings a lot of questions in the body of Christ, doesn't it? Why doesn't everybody get healed? I don't know. Is it okay if I'm honest with you this morning? I don't know. I can't give you an answer. I'm going to share with you a few of my own personal viewpoints that's happened in my life. I'm not going to go outside of my circle. I'm staying in my circle to talk about healing and why I still believe. I struggle with this. If God is the healer, why doesn't everyone get healed? We believe that. We understand that. We've seen that work in our lives. Yet what about the prayers that happen and no miracles follow? I believe. Help my unbelief. I'll be honest. I don't have all the answers. I don't always have the why. Yet I do declare I still believe that God is my healer. That's where my faith is. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. Don Kinder has a hearing loss. Some of you found that to be true. <laughs> uh, I have hearing aids. I'll never forget Kelly and I were dating, and that's when she found out I couldn't hear. And uh, I guess we were down at the Capitol, and uh, there's a little spit spat or something, and I was walking off, and she was hollering my name, and I didn't hear a word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She about ended the relationship right there, but I didn't hear a word. She said, Pastor. Uh, so I, I was diagnosed with hereditary hearing loss when I was in sixth grade. Um, you know, in school, when they got everybody in the room, they're going, bing, 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 all them chimes. I'm sitting there going. They said, oh, this guy needs to go to the sound box, right? So I had to go down to Comfort. This was in junior high, actually, seventh grade. I went down to Comfort where they had a soundproof box. And that's when they found out that Don Kinder has cookie bite hearing loss. I hear the ding, 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 and the boom, boom, boom really, really well. I can take my hearing aids out. I hear those noises really well. What I don't hear is the middle. Guess where life is? The middle, right? And it's right, that's why they call it cookie bite. It looks like somebody took a bite out of a cookie right in the middle. It just goes, zip, just dips down. Um, and they have good teeth too, by the way. Um, so I was diagnosed. I got hearing aids for about two weeks. I'm in seventh grade and I have these big old things behind my ear. It's hard enough being a seventh grader, right? Last thing I want to do is stick out. And so I, I remember wearing them at home. I could hear everything. I could be in any room in the house. I could hear them talking. It was kind of awesome. Right? 
And I, I wish now I would have stood up for myself and said, I'm going to do that. I really believe I would have been the valedictorian at Sherman High School if I could have heard. No one can prove me wrong, right? I got through college. I did not get my hearing aids until Caleb was born. Right before Caleb was born, I, I knew that if something happened to him and I didn't hear it, I'd feel terrible about myself. Um, and I remember going, I was going to Victory Bible Training Center in Huntington when I got them hearing aids. Well, that's life-changing. Wow, this is awesome. I was taking notes. I had it all, man. I, got, I had it all. I could hear everything. It's amazing. But I, can't, I can tell you, I prayed. I had people pray for my hearing all my life. All my life they prayed for my hearing. In this church, at other churches, I'm, I'm still the same guy, same ears. I don't know why. Maybe this, isn't thorn my, maybe this is my thorn in the flesh. Maybe this is, remember Paul saying I have a thorn in my flesh, I, something he had to battle and deal with all the time? Maybe this is mine. I don't know. But all I can tell you, it's never happened. We knew that Don Kinder had this, and I'll never forget we were standing about, probably about right here, because this wasn't here, right? Back in the day, this was stepped. I believe it was a Sunday night service. Kelly was late in pregnancy, and we came up to pray over Caleb. We did not want Caleb to get this hearing loss. I remember Sister Catherine came up and had her hands on the wound, binding this curse and binding this in Jesus' name, breaking it in Jesus' name. Pastor was, was laying hands on Kelly, and I'm behind her, and... We believe, man, we believe wholeheartedly Caleb was not going to have that hearing loss. Guess what? Caleb has my hearing loss. He has it. He's got the same thing. He still hasn't bought in on the hearing aids. We're working on that. Why, Don? I don't know why, but I will tell you another miracle. Not a single child since Caleb has had that hearing loss. Jacob Williams don't have it. Amanda's a little older. Couldn't break it then. My daughter don't have it. My sister's kids don't have it. I don't even think any of Nikki's kids younger than Caleb don't have it. The older one might, but younger than Caleb. There, I was thinking last night, there were over 20-some generational kids that were born after Caleb in my heritage. Because what happened in my life, it's every other child got it. I could look back and show you my family tree. My grandma had it. Her brother had it. My mom had it. Her brother had it. I have it. My sister Stephanie had it. I mean, it was, it was ongoing. There was two, there was two for every, every branch. Not a single child since that moment in time. Not a single one. I don't know why Caleb wasn't healed, but I can tell you the curse was broken that night. He's still my healer. Maybe that's Caleb's thorn in the flesh. He carries it well. He's like, it's like somebody told me the other day. They said, you carry it well. I'm talking about not having no hair. I said, what's my options? I mean, chop my head off? I mean, what, what kind of options do I have? I mean, I have to carry it well. It's not, I don't have anything else to offer. This is it. Right? And you didn't Caleb and I carry it well. We go through life, and I look at my life. I mean, the guy told me when I got hearing aids, he said, I don't know how you got through college. He said, you must be really intelligent. I said, you said it. He was, he, he was surprised I got out of high school, much less college, with, with the way my hearing was. I read lips really, really well, right? And I, was, I got in a technical field that didn't require me to listen as much. It required me to watch and do, right? Um, so 
but that's why when Bob would call up me, code 500 in parking lot down at Kmart, sometimes I didn't hear it, Bob. <laughs> Actually, I probably did hear it, and I just chose not to go. Uh, man, Kmart, I love Kmart. Faye and Bob and Paula and myself, Kevin. Anybody else work Kmart before they shut it down? Kmart, I was clock 54. They retired my clock number, I think. But one of my favorite times, this is totally off topic, we're talking about Kmart. We should have a Kmart reunion. Um, but it was, a, it was a day like today, and, a, and it was a Sunday. Of course, remember, Sunday was a big day at Kmart. You got that big sales ad, and we actually got paid time and a half on Sundays. You, that was the only day a week you worked at Kmart, you got paid time and a half. It was, it, you could just work Sunday and got time and a half. I'll tell you another thing about Kmart. We got paid in cash every Friday. I went back and got my check. It wasn't a check. It was money. Down to the penny. But I'll never forget it's a day like today. And this, this, everybody had their convertible cars out. And, and man, I mean, a, just like we've had, these, just to prove this has happened before, everybody's telling this climate change stuff. We have thunderstorms. It's been hot before, folks. I hate to tell you that. It has been hot before. Um, so just turn some of that off. Uh, I'm not denying it. it gets hot and storms aren't bad, but I'm telling you, it's, it's happened. Go back to the Great Depression, the Dust Bowl. Just read about it. Uh, but that day, we're sitting there in this torrential Code 500 parking lot. I go out to get buggies, and there comes these black clouds, and it just starts pouring down the rain. It's the only time I went to the service desk and grabbed that phone. Attention Kmart customers. For those who are worth T-tops and convertibles, it is pouring the rain outside. And I put it down. <laughs> Some guy came up. That's the best announcement I've ever heard. Just being honest. Um, gosh, good stuff. But I still believe he's my healer. Despite this, maybe this is what I have to carry. Maybe this is my thorn. I think I'm doing okay with it. Huh? He's good. I'll tell you another time in my life. Y'all know that when I had that foot surgery about 12, 13 years ago. Had an aneurysm in my heel. I rode my heel out my left foot to basically nothing. It was just a bloody tumor. He told me all was, it was about the thickness of an eggshell on that foot. He said he could fix it. He goes in to fix it on my birthday, believe it or not. On a Saturday, my birthday, I'm in Thomas. I'm having emergency surgery. I come out. I go visit him on Monday. Jeff Boyd said, hey, come on down and get you a, a, a wheelchair. Kelly goes in and gets the wheelchair. She came out with an adult stroller. I told you that story. It had four little wheels like this. And uh, we were walking, we went to the mall, and I never forget, she was walking over, and I was telling her, Clever's on my lap, I said, you're not going to make that, you're not going to make that, because there's a lip, and, and I could just hear her feet going, because I couldn't do nothing, I'm just sitting in the, like this, and, and sure enough, we hit that lip, and I go flying out, you know, I just had surgery. <laughs> Same day, we went to Sport Mart to buy something for Caleb, and my foot's like this, <laughs> right into the... Right, God, she's trying to kill me, and I couldn't control myself because she bought it. She got a stroller. Um, it's terrible. More stories to share on that, but gosh, it was terrible. But I never forget that I was—I couldn't walk on it for twelve weeks. No, no weight for twelve weeks. I go back about two years later, and I'm, I'm sitting there with the doctor. He comes in and he said, "One third of your bone is gone. It's gone." He showed me the X-ray. It's not there. I said, what are my options? He said, we've got to have another surgery. I said, oh, man, I can't do that again. Said, he said, we don't have surgery. I can put a needle in it, but you still can't walk on it for 12 weeks. I said, Doc, I tell you what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about what I want to do. And we did. We said, well, I'll be back in a couple weeks. So we came back a couple weeks later, go in, have x-rays. Dr. White come in and says, 
I don't know how to tell you this, but your bone grew back. He, he had both x-rays. And in a two-week time, my bone grew back. I think bone grows back. But my bone grew back, and I saw it in my own eyes. Why that happened, I don't know. Why not my hearing? I don't know. I'm going to be the first to tell you, I don't know. But I am here to tell you that I still believe he's my healer. And I want you to know that. There's going to be a time of healing in this service today where maybe you've had those questions and maybe you've been prayed for a hundred times. I'm telling you, I still believe he's my healer. I still believe that. Regardless of my experiences, regardless of what I've faced up to this point in time, I still believe he's my healer. We didn't get the miracle we prayed for cash outside of the, inside the womb, but we're going to see the miracle outside of the womb. I still believe he's his healer. Sometimes it comes through medicine. Sometimes it comes through surgery. Sometimes it comes through a process. I can't explain why. There's some really smart people at that hospital. They could not have done this 30 or 40 years ago. Those kids turned blue because the oxygen deficiency. Most of them would probably die because no one knew what to do. I'm thankful he was born now that they could diagnose it and fix it. I mean, I've told you this. His heart is the size of a grape. They did open heart bypass surgery on a grape. That big. I still believe he's my healer. I'm not going to be picky of how he does it. And that's the problem with us. We get picky of how God does it. Don't worry about the how. Just pray to him and ask, will he do it? Help my unbelief. Number two, um, I still believe he's a light that breaks every darkness in our world. I still believe he's a light. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him and without him, and not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Gosh, the Message Bible actually says, here's what the Message Bible says right there. Um, The Message Bible says this, The lifelight blazed out of the darkness, and the darkness couldn't put it out. Jesus is the light that still breaks darkness. We heard Abel and Jamil share stories of light going into darkness. He's still the light that destroys and overtakes darkness. We need to realize, I still believe he can change people's lives. I still believe he's the savior of the universe. I still believe it's better with him than without him. I still believe that. And it's up to us to convey that message. It's up to us to share that truth. When one is in the dark, they're desperately seeking light, seeking guidance. That's what's going on in the world. It's a dark world. They're down there in the daytime, aren't they? You guys are down there in the middle of the day. Guess what? There's still darkness all around. Not physical darkness, but spiritual darkness. But we are now the ones who take this light to the world. We're the ones that take the light to the darkness. And I still believe that light destroys darkness. But I want you to know this. As we're sharing that light, it can't just be an impact. It has to be an effect. We can't just impact people. We need to affect people. What's that mean? If I take a rock and I throw it in a creek... It'll create ripples, won't it? I've impacted the water. If I take a two-ton boulder and throw it in the creek, I've affected it, haven't I? 
I made a big splash, but also I've redirected how the water flows. We have to realize our lives need to be more than impact. We need to affect those around us. And we can't just do that on Sundays. We need to do it seven days a week. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. But guess what? He's faithful. We talked about that last week. He is faithful. But the light still breaks darkness. Because of the fear of the Lord controls us, is what it says in 2 Corinthians. The fear of the Lord controls us now. It compels us to go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. Of course, the word fear here, Paul wrote, doesn't mean he was terrorized by God. The reverential awe he felt toward God is what he was talking about. He gave his best efforts to win others and maintain an honest and well-intentional personal ministry. My perspective has changed now that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. So therefore now I seek to see people how Jesus sees them. That's why they're going out to the Kono Mall. They want to see people the way Jesus sees them. And they're worth the effort. They're worth the effort. Let me tell you something. Uh, here's what the Bible says. Let me tell you something real quick. Very important here this morning. If you're a Christian, then there is nothing regular about you. Nothing. Nothing regular about your life. Nothing routine, nothing normal, because you now have the Son of God residing and directing and guiding your life. You have access to the very throne of God. You have the authority to use a name that is above every name in heaven and in earth, and that's the name of Jesus. There is nothing normal about you now, so let's quit acting like this is a choice. It's now a responsibility to take this light to the darkness. It's not a choice anymore. It's a responsibility for us to do that. We're ambassadors to Christ. We're ambassadors for Jesus in this world. Number three, I still believe he's not finished with me yet. 2 Samuel chapter 22, uh, the Message Bible. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I cleaned up my act... He gave me a fresh start. Indeed, I've kept alert to God's ways. I haven't taken God for granted. Every day I review his, the ways He works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. This is what I want you to focus on. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to His eyes. When you gave your heart to Jesus, you're no longer writing your story. He's writing the story. Don Cosson turned 76 years old this week. He's not finished with you yet, Don. He's not finished with you yet. Abel is eight. He's not finished with Abel yet. Pastor Frank is 86. He's not finished with you yet, Pastor Frank. I think everybody else fits in that barometer between eight and 86, if I'm correct, in this building. And God wants me to tell you, He's not finished with you. You still have a task. You still have something to do. He still has something for you to do. In the natural, we retire, right? We get to a certain age. Maybe our, our, our skills aren't as sharp, and we save, try to save up some money so we can retire comfortably. And there's a point we, we retire, and we move on. It happens in sports all the time when, when the quarterback can't throw the passes anymore, when the running back can't run that fast, when the basketball player can no longer dunk the basketball. They retire. 
They step away. They hang up the cleats. Well, guess what? That doesn't happen in God's kingdom. We all have something to do. We all have something we can offer. Now, you might slow down just a little bit, but you still have something to do. And I still believe he's not finished with any of us yet in this room. He's not finished with us. He still has something. Here's what the Bible says in Mark chapter 12. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's what it says. The belief that Scripture talks about is a belief that shows itself in action. It shows itself in your whole life. Nowhere in this text that I just read you do I see you can only be so old to start and so old to finish. I don't see that. It just says, love the Lord with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your heart. That's what it says. It doesn't say when you achieve this age, you can back off. It just says, love him. Right? It says, go, is what it says. Nowhere in the sex do I read that. We're in a race. So let's race. We're in a race together. Let's race. My faith should be alive. My faith should be moving. My faith should be the very means of my being or existence. Acts 17, 28. In him we live and move and have our very being. It's found in him. Nothing comes easy, though, in life. If it did, we wouldn't appreciate it, would we? My kids are all starting to get out of the house. They're growing up, moving on. They're learning the value of buying something, right? How many of you know it means more when you buy it? When you buy the car and they hit a tree, yeah, let's get a new car. <laughs> this, this is such a disposable generation. They just think, I'll crack my phone. I'll just get a new phone. Well, you know what? You can do that for a phone, right? Well, I don't know. Phones are pretty expensive. Um, but we, we, just, we think we can just replace stuff. But when you, my kids are learning when they buy something, and we're seeing it in Caleb especially. He'd come to the house and we go to his house. And it's like, it's my couch. It's my pillow. Yeah, it is, bro. Uh, but when they pay for it, it has more value, doesn't it? When you pay for something, it means more to you. Then um, I never forget, uh, this was, gosh, this was 25 years ago. Pastor Frank had went and bought a deep freeze. And he, he was, went and spent his own hard money. And he tried to ratchet that thing down the best he could. And didn't ratchet it down real well. He bought a tall one. And I'll never forget, the, the thing flipped out. And semi just blew it up. And I know it hurt him because he paid for it. But thank God for a church board. We went down to the same Sears and bought the same freezer. We had it delivered. <laughs> right? We put it in one of them big box trucks and brought it. We didn't take that wind chance anymore. But when you pay for something, it, it hurts when it breaks. Right? It hurts because you, you bought it. It brings, it brings value. You still have that freezer, don't you? You don't have that first one. <laughs> uh, man. Gosh, what a church. Just some good people. We gave him a truck one year. We, we gave him a truck. The church blessed him and passed appreciation with a truck. It's so cool. Gosh, it's a good church. Some good people. Good people. Gosh. Don't stop believing, church. Don't stop believing. When we pay for something, we appreciate it. It's the way the world works. The struggle is part of the journey part of the story. 
I want you to know that today. If you're struggling, it's, it's part of it. There's no perfect path. There's no flawless ride. There are bumps. And Pittsburgh roads are worse than West Virginia roads. I can tell you that. There's a lot of bumps. Uh, and the guy was drunk whoever designed that, too. It's crazy. The beautiful thing about life is we get to choose what we will fight for. And I still believe my relationship with Jesus is worth fighting for. You can fight for anything. So the big question is, what will you fight for today? To answer this, you need to answer one more question. Is it worth it? Is it worth your fight? Is the fight worth it? If it's worth it, you'll fight for it. If it's worth it, you won't give up when it gets hard. If it's worth it, it's worth your time, your commitment, your energy, your sacrifice, and your focus. If it's worth it, then it's worth fighting the good fight. Sure, there will be battles that make you afraid. There will be times when you fail. There will be days you get knocked down. There will be moments when you want to give up. During your darkest nights, always remember that stars shine the brightest at the darkest night. Your greatest victory will always come after your toughest battle. Love casts out fear. If you love it, you'll fight for it. And you'll overcome fear in doing so. Your vision and purpose are greater than your challenges. Failure is temporary. The character and strength you develop fighting the good fight is what endures. So keep fighting, church. Become all you're meant to be. In the process, don't give up. I want you to get to a point where your breakthroughs outnumber your breakdowns. God's promises are more visible in your life than your personal problems. Victory becomes your way of life. Not a goal, but victory is your life. I still believe through Christ it's possible. My question for you today is do you believe it? Do you believe it? I still believe. I still believe He's greater. I still believe He's in control. I still believe he's faithful. I still believe he's my healer. I still believe he's the light that breaks every darkness. And I believe he's not finished with me yet. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we declare today we need you in our lives. We don't like to admit it. But we're a lot like that father in Mark chapter 9. I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, as we turn our attention and our focus on you, I ask that you speak to our hearts, that you purge us, that you cleanse us, that you encourage us this day, that you heal us, that you remind us you're not done with us. You remind us we have purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody keep their heads bowed and eyes closed. I want you to know that God loves you. He's got an amazing plan for your life. That plan involves him and you. Not just him. And so many times we think, well, God, God's the plan. No, the plan involves you and him together. Co-joined together. That's the plan. The plan doesn't come to fruition until you're together. It's an idea until you co-join with Jesus. I still believe. 